You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I am pre-recording this episode like almost two weeks before you guys are listening to it today because I have my elk trip coming up, so I'm recording this before I leave, which means, uh, gosh, a bunch of time has gone by since I've recorded this episode and you guys are listening to it, but obviously I still want to get something out to you guys. Um, you know, I'm trying to drop an episode every week. I have yet to fail to do that, and I don't want to start now, so recording this way ahead of time, and yeah, I hope you guys are listening to this and enjoying it. I hope by the time you're listening to this, I've already posted a picture of a giant elk and myself covered in snow, because uh, the closer this hunt gets and the more I look at the weather, it is just going to be brutal. Uh, We actually got an email from the lodge today saying that we would probably need snow chains just to get to the lodge so that doesn't even account for like getting around you know once we get there and everything Uh, I'm still planning on taking the four-wheeler but honestly like if there's as much snow as I think there is I'm not even sure the four-wheeler is going to work to get around on so um, probably going to be doing a lot of walking Um, but it could be I mean could be good for a lot of reasons like it's going to make it you know difficult to get around but hopefully that keeps some other people from being willing to do that. And I think myself and Jasper are both willing to get out there and fight it still. Um, and hopefully it uh, like pushes the elk down and concentrates them in certain areas. And so although it's going to kind of suck, uh, I think the suck will be worth it. And I think it will make the hunt 
pretty darn awesome. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but uh, when we booked this hunt, gosh, last August, in August of 21, uh, we were talking to the guy. We got the last two spots they had available for this year. And uh, we were actually trying to go during third season because you could hunt elk and mule deer at the same time. These are the only two spots they had left. But the guy told us that these are some of the best spots. Um, he said that they just have a lot of luck during this fourth season. So anyway, I apologize, but I just, for the past like two weeks, I have had like nothing but elk on my mind. And so that's why I'm talking about it a lot. And again, uh, yeah, I'll be coming home from, I I think I'll be driving home from my trip the day this launches. So that was like a three minute explanation of why I'm recording this now and, uh, and what, yeah, just what's been going on. So anyway, enough about that. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, man, I guess rifle season will have been going for a little over a week at this point. This will drop uh, the Monday of the last week of the season, of rifle season, I mean. So yeah, I hope you guys have been getting out there and having some luck. Uh, I am planning to hunt uh, the first Saturday and maybe Sunday morning of the season. Uh, but again, that's more going to be getting ready for my trip because I plan on leaving that Monday. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Uh, this week, it's just going to be me again trying to get all this. And uh, I just figured with me trying to get out of town and doing stuff around the house and you know trying to spend time with the family and everything, uh, I didn't want to schedule a, uh, a guest because I, basically I just needed to be more flexible. So it's just going to be me this week. But I got some good stuff in mind. Um, I did a, a podcast somewhat similar to this last year. Uh, but I just think it's a good reminder. We're going to be talking about... Basically, we're in this transition zone of, you know, kind of moving out of the rut into the late season, um, not getting discouraged. There's still season left, that type of thing. So we're going to be talking mostly about late season during this episode. And yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. It's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. So I apologize for that, but it's going to be a good one. And please, please, please listen to it because um, I've talked about it. I talk about it all the time. I love late season. And so I just, I want to be able to share the knowledge that I've gained over the last several, several years. Um, I've had a lot of success in the late season. So anyway, stick around for that. We're going to hear a quick word from our partners and then we're going to jump into the episode. So thank you guys for listening. Hopefully I have an elk at this point, and uh, here we go. So we're going to jump in right after this. If you're anything like me, you probably dream of owning your own piece of hunting or recreational land someday. If that's you, give one of the hardworking agents at Arrowhead Land Company a call. They will not only guide you through a complicated process, but also help you pick out the perfect property for your needs, whether that's hunting, farm and ranch, or just a little piece back in the woods where the warriors of the world can't reach you. Arrowhead Land Company, hardworking agents for hardworking landowners. I don't know a ton about bass fishing, but I have watched a lot of YouTube, and I know that there are still guys out there catching giant bass even when it's freezing cold outside. So that means there's never a bad time to sign up for private water fishing. Simply head over to their website and sign up for your membership and you will immediately have access to private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas. No one to bother you or take your spot before you get there. Just a great experience all to yourself. Check it out at privatewaterfishing.com. The late season is almost here, and one of the reasons it's my favorite time to hunt is because bucks become extremely patternable. Now I know you guys have heard me talk about Deer Lab before, 
and it's because I truly believe it can help folks track down that buck on your property that you just can't seem to catch up with. Deer Lab helps you organize your photos and pull out real data such as weather, wind, moon, and time that can help you narrow in on exactly when you need to be in your stand. Check out DeerLab.com for more information and get that buck. Alright folks, let's dive on in. So I want to start with where we're at in the season right now. So this will drop the last weekend of rifle. We got about, I don't know, six more days or so when this comes out. Uh, and this can be one of the slowest times of the entire year, but it can also be a great time to kill a mature buck. Uh, in fact, actually, my second biggest buck to date, I killed the last Saturday of rifle season. I think it was December 4th, um, right in there, beginning of December. And, uh, and yeah, it can be, like I said, it can be really slow because a lot of the does have already been bred or they've already kind of finished their cycle. They're not hot anymore. And then also there's just been a lot of pressure in the woods. You know, rifle season is extremely popular here in Oklahoma. You got a lot of people that this may be the only time of the whole year they hunt. Um, and then you got, you know, people like myself that, uh, I, you know, usually this year has been a little different, but usually I've done a ton of bow hunting and everything and, you know, being real, uh, you know, crazy about scent control and enter and exit and all that good stuff. And sometimes the rifle season is just a nice little break to, you know, sit back a little further, take things easy, sit in the blind, you know, keep that scent in and everything. So all that to say, just a lot of pressure during rifle season. Um, but like I said, this can be a really good time because, those big mature bucks, like this is the time of year that they've been waiting for. You know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about, oh, the ruts come early. I, I talked about this a few weeks ago. A lot of times it's those younger bucks that just aren't experienced yet. Like they just don't know any better. And so they're getting giddy, their testosterone's, you know, rising and everything. And, and so they're just kind of chomping at the bit. But these bigger mature bucks, like they just kind of know better. And so they don't waste a lot of energy at the beginning. They wait till it's really time. And because of that, they're able to last longer. They can, you know, they have the body weight and uh, and the maturity that they can just keep going and keep chasing does longer. So a lot of times, if you do see a buck, there's a good chance that it might be a better buck because those are the ones that are still out there going. And uh, mornings, like it's not too late to, to keep hunting mornings. That buck I was just talking about, December 4th, shot him in the morning. And it was an extremely cold morning. Uh, I'll never forget it because I was still staying in my great uncle's old, uh, really junky camp. It was like a homemade camper and uh, plywood walls, no insulation. I think it got down to 18 degrees that night. Uh, I was like sleeping in all my clothes. I think I had uh, a sleeping bag stuffed inside of another sleeping bag. They were super cheap, like 40, 50, you know, like more like summertime sleeping bags. And uh, so I was freezing. Uh, woke up late because I didn't want to get out because I was freezing. Ended up going out there and ended up shooting this buck. And uh, it was actually hard for me to find the buck because the ground was like completely frosted over. I mean, it looked like it had snowed, but it was just frost. But anyway, morning hunt. Uh, I was sitting over a little wheat patch that my great uncle had planted. And, uh, and that buck was with, I think, eight or nine does, if I remember right. Um, he was the only buck with the group. He was the only buck I saw that morning. Uh, but like I said, he just, he had the body weight and, and the will and the desire to still be out there nudging those does around and looking for a hot doe. So, uh, all that to say, um, most of the does may be out, but there could be that one or two staggering and those bucks are still going to be out there looking for them. So, so don't give, give up just because it's the last week of rifle. 
once you get past that, so uh, this year I think rifle ends December 5th, which is a Sunday. Um, once you get past that, I actually think that mid-December is probably the most challenging time of the entire year to kill a mature buck. Because, you know, everything I just talked about, they've been, you know, waiting, they've been patient, they've been, you know, holding out. This is the one time of the year they can breed. And so they go all out. But about this time of year, you know, everything kind of shuts down because they, they've they exhausted themselves. Uh, I think I've heard from several different places, a buck can lose like 25% of its body weight. And it's getting cold. Uh, they just they just completely wear themselves out, and a lot of times they just find themselves a little bitty, uh, you know, hidden spot, and they just don't move a whole lot. They're just resting, and so trying to kill a buck in mid December is very very tough. I think personally, I think it's harder than killing a buck in October, just because uh, I just don't think they're moving a whole lot. And so what I like to do this time of year is basically to do the same thing that the bucks are doing. I I don't hunt a lot mid-December. Um, you know, I still have my cameras running and everything. Uh, make sure the feeders are running. That's a very key part to late season is food. And so when a lot of people are letting their feeders run out um, or, you know, not filling them back up, I'm out there putting fresh corn in them because I want those things to keep going all the way through the end of the season. Um, so I'm checking my feeders making sure my cameras are good, putting those cameras on uh, on food sources. And then one other thing that I always make sure I have one or two cameras on a really hot scrape. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be hot at that time because we're kind of coming out of the rut. Um, but I just basically look for the biggest scrape that I can find, you know, like a hub type scrape, one that's just been hit a whole lot. And I always put one or two cameras on scrapes because even though the rut's kind of over, those deer will keep hitting those scrapes. I have pictures of mature bucks on scrapes, I think all the way until February. Um, it's just like deer don't just use those during rut. They're just, they're a communication tool. It's letting them know who's there, who's not there. Uh, so I, I almost more just for inventory purposes than anything, I keep a camera on a scrape, but also, and you know, obviously if you get a nice big mature buck that you have on there, it's a great way to know he's still alive. It's a great way, you know, he's in the area. And so I always have at least one or two cameras on scrapes. The rest are pretty much all going to food, uh, because late season, that is the name of the game. We'll get into that more in just a second. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm hunting a lot, uh, during November, um, you know, last year, I don't even know how many miles I drove because I was hunting our place in Oklahoma. I was hunting my buddy's place out in, uh, West Texas. And I was, you know, like he has cell cameras, I have cell cameras and I was basically just chasing the bucks. You know, like if I was getting a lot of pictures, I'd go hunt Oklahoma. If he was getting a bunch of pictures, I'd go hunt Texas. Uh, there was one weekend, actually, I think it might've been the weekend I shot my buck out in West Texas. Uh, no, it wasn't that weekend. It was a different week. Anyway, uh, no, that's what it was. I was hunting in Oklahoma and it was myself, I was hunting, my brother was hunting and one of our buddies were hunting and all three of us, I think we saw like one deer between the three of us. Like it was just dead. And I text my buddy. I was like, Hey, you know, what's going on out there? He's like, man, I'm getting tons of bucks on camera. I packed up and I drove out to West Texas that day and hunted out there the next day and a half or something like that. And so anyway, all that to say, like I hunt a lot typically in November. And, uh, and so by the time November ends and the time, by the time rifle season ends, like I'm ready for a break myself. 
and I know my wife is. And so, just like I said, the bucks are taking a rest. I'm usually taking a rest, you know, doing those honeydews, um, spending time with the family, just taking it easy. Um, and an- another thing that is happening is I'm letting the woods cool down. Again, I've been putting a lot of pressure on it. Uh, the neighbors have been putting a lot of pressure on it. Uh, again, like rifle seasons, probably there are more probably more people in the woods for longer than any other time of the year during rifle season. You know, a lot of people hunt outside of rifle season, obviously, but a lot of times, and in, in just outside of November in general, but, uh, you know, you don't hear many people taking a week-long vacation like the second or third week of October. If people are going to take a ruckation, they're taking it like that first, second, third week of November. You know, if you're a rifle hunter, you're probably taking it that first week of rifle season, the fourth week of November. And so there's just been a ton of people out there in the woods, and the deer know that. And so not only am I resting myself, I'm just resting all my sets, uh, resting my properties, and just letting those deer kind of somewhat get to go back to normal. Um, so yeah, the, the does are out of estrus, the bucks are tired, uh, they need to, to put back on that body weight, there's been a lot of pressure, and so a lot of times, as I mentioned, mid-December, I'm just kind of staying out and taking it easy. So the next couple weeks go by, and then usually around Christmas is when things kind of start picking up again. Those bucks have had a little time to recoup, and winter's coming on, it's getting cold, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I got to put some weight back on. I got to stay warm. And so that's when those food sources really heat up again. The feeders, food plots, whatever it is, um, you know, if you have like a, a turnip plot or something like that, Usually this is the time when those become really, really good. And even just wheat, plain old wheat. Wheat is one of the best food plot things there is. Um, it's it's not necessarily the best for a white-tailed deer as far as like nutrition and all that stuff. But it's super easy to grow. Um, it can grow when it's still pretty darn cold. And deer just like it. They really, really like it. Um, so, but anyway, I actually just went back and, uh, through my phone and, uh, was looking up all my old bucks and discovered that five of my last seven bucks in Oklahoma have come after December 22nd. Uh, so I have this year I killed in late October. Last year I shot one, uh, I guess it was the first weekend of rifle, like November 28th or something like that. And then I have five, December 22nd or later, uh, between December 22nd and January 8th over the past three, well, this if you count this year, four years. So this is a really good time is all I'm trying to say. I talk about it a lot. I really, really love late season. Running the cameras is huge. And still having food is huge. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, getting those feeders rolling again. And uh, I know it kind of sounds lame, but like I said, a lot of people, as soon as rifle season is over, a lot of people just hang it up for the year. Um, they've either, you know, maybe killed some deer um, or they've given up because it gets cold or, you know, a lot of people are out of money. They don't want to spend the money to fill their feeder again, especially this year. My goodness, corn is is crazy. Um, I've actually, I'll admit it. I've, I've dialed a lot of my feeders way back, uh, because corn's so expensive. Um, but this is the time of year, crank those babies back up. Um, and if, you know, if you're really conscious about money and, you know, not sure if you can afford it, don't even feed in the morning. It's, it's probably not worth it. Um, all these bucks that I was just talking about, all of them are in the evening. Um, when it gets to true late season, evening is king. Just like a lot of people talk about, you know, in October, don't even mess with the morning. Sleep in, watch college football, go to church, 
Um, do whatever you want to do, but uh, usually it's the evenings that are really good. And keep an eye on the weather, because this time, again, more than any other time of the year, that weather can predict deer movement. Um, if you get a really, really cold snap, those evenings are probably going to be really good, uh, because the deer just can't they can't wait any longer. Like They have to eat to stay warm, they have to move to stay warm, and so those really cold days are awesome. Uh, I killed a buck several years ago, not one of these that I'm talking about more recently, but he, he was like a January 1st or 2nd buck, and uh, we had planted some wheat in our hay bottom, and uh, we had a super cold snap. It got down to like, I think, low, low teens for a couple days in a row, and uh, I actually wasn't hunting when it was super, super cold, but that first day it warmed up just a little bit. I mean, it was still like in the 30s. I went out there, and deer just poured out of the timber into this wheat, and ended up killing a really nice, uh, kind of funky looking 10 point that evening. Um, but the weather just, the weather controls these deer. And it's really, I mean, weather's part of it. It's really their stomachs. Their stomachs is what is controlling these deer. And again, they have to eat to stay warm. So having food late season is absolutely key. And if you don't have food, you know, if you're, if you don't run feeders, uh, maybe you're hunting public or something like that. Just finding whatever that food source is, you know, finding those trees that held their acorns a little later, uh, finding some, you know, uh, I was watching the hunting public guys a few years ago and they had this wide open spot that these deer were just pouring out into and they had to actually look up the plant. They had never even heard of it. It was called like duck potato or something. It's something that grew in like real marshy type areas. Uh, the deer are going to find food, uh, like they just, again, they have to, they have to eat. Um, and so you may have to do some scouting. You may have to look for droppings and tracks and stuff like that to figure out where these deer are coming from and coming to. But if you find the food, you're going to find the deer. And after that, it's just about being patient. Uh, again, like if you're running feeders or something like that, having a camera on there, especially if you can have a cell camera on there can just be, amazing uh again you know especially if you have a cell camera and you can stay out but even if you don't try to be patient you know uh don't go in there and pull the card every two or three days let it rest for at least a week and all basically all you need to know is that the deer is in the area because if a deer is hitting that food source there's a good chance that they're going to be hitting that food source just about every day um their their home range this time of year just shrinks to tiny, tiny little areas. They, I mean, again, they're just wanting the three basic things, food, water, cover. They're not worried about ladies anymore. Yes, I know a lot of people talk about a second rut and, you know, the does cycling 28 days later and all that good stuff. Um, personally, I have never seen much of that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I do believe it does, but I don't think it's something that you want to like bank your season on, you know, waiting for one random doe to come back into estrus. Like that's, that's just not what I'm going to put the chips in for. Um, I'm wanting something more reliable and that reliable thing is food. And so running the cameras. And again, you know, before I was running cell cameras, this was still very effective, I would go, I'd pull the card, like I said, maybe once a week. And as long as I knew that deer, that buck was coming in there, at that moment, all I had to do was wait for the right weather. Um, you know, wind is going to be key here. Uh, these bucks are super weary. They've been, uh, you know, being hunted for months. They're going to be weary. But again, I keep coming back to it. They are slaves to their stomach and they have to eat. So again, as long as you know that buck's coming in, 
wait for that weather front and then go in there and get him. And, you know, I talked about that kind of Christmas timeline. A lot of times that's just kind of when it starts getting good. Uh, you know, if you pull that card at Christmas and you don't have any bucks on it, don't panic. Uh, because again, the later it gets, like by the time you know, I've ran cameras, like kept cameras on my feeders and stuff, by the time like mid-February comes around, I'm talking, I mean, you'll have mature bucks out there at like four o'clock. I mean, an hour before dark. Uh, and I think a lot of that is more based on the pressure, like hunting season's over, people aren't out there anymore and they're feeling more comfortable. And again, just the longer you wait after that rifle season ends, the more comfortable deer are going to get. And I think that's why just another reason that the late season is so good because you just have, I mean, the pressure in the woods in general is cut by at least 80%, if not 90%. You know, again, a lot of these bucks that I've killed, it has been freezing, freezing cold. Uh, the deer I killed uh, two years ago, I think it was January 8th. Um, man, I think it was like, I want to say it was 23 degrees that evening. Uh, I had forgotten a beanie. I was, I was trying to like pull my coat hood up over my ears and stuff. I mean, it was freezing, but I, I held out. I, you know, sat there anyway. He came in at last light and I got it done. And so, man, I, like, I wish there was more to this late season thing, but honestly, it's kind of that simple. It's about staying out. It's about having quality food or finding quality food and then just waiting on the weather and going in there and basically bearing the cold and getting it done. So, man, I guess that's about all I have to say about that. (laughs) I didn't intend for this podcast to be quite so short, but again, it really is that simple, like I just said. So, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. If you're listening to this podcast to get all the tips and tactics and stuff, that's about all we have for you today, but uh, man, I didn't intend for this podcast to be quite so short. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell a story. I'm going to tell the story of my first ever late season buck, and the buck that I kind of started to figure out this whole late season, and and figure out that like just because you didn't shoot a buck by you know November 20th, it wasn't time to give up and forget about it. And this is the deer that kind of uh, made me realize that you could still kill a buck late season. And uh, in the next year or two after this, uh, I, man, I, that's when I really became just a late season fanatic. And like, I, I no longer got worried if I wasn't killing bucks early season because I had so much confidence that I could kill them late season. So anyway, that's what I'm about to do. I'm going to tell that story. So uh, this would have been 2014. So I was one year out of college. I was working for my dad at the time doing right away work. Uh, lots and lots of time out of town. Uh, I had spent most of that year in Sealing, Oklahoma, up in the northwestern part of the state. Our property is in the southeastern part of the state, uh, so I just didn't get to get out there a whole lot. Didn't get to hunt a ton. Uh, got to hunt a little bit around like Thanksgiving and you know a weekend every now and again, but just just not what I would have preferred. So anyway, I was running a couple feeders. Um, I had a couple cameras, you know, nothing like I had now or have now, and. Uh, I was just feeling extremely defeated. You know, one, just because I didn't get to hunt as much as I wanted to. Uh, two, I hadn't killed a deer, and, you know, the season was almost over, and I was just feeling down. Uh, but anyway, I got this weekend off work and went out to the ranch, and uh, I really had no idea what to do. Um, I, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't think it was possible. Part of me was just wanting to, like, kill a doe or something because I just, I just wanted to kill a deer. So anyway, 
it was super cold that weekend, and um, and I I had no idea where to go. I want to say at this time I had uh, maybe like four feeders running or something, and uh, so I I I want to say I slept in during the morning because I was just so tired from working so much. And anyway, so it was evening time, and I had this stand that was pretty close to the house, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk down there and, and hunt there. And I think I, I, I'm pretty sure the reason I was I picked that spot was because I had like two pictures of this really nice 10 point there throughout the course of the whole year, like not recently or anything. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Might as well just try this spot. So went out there. Wind was good. Wind was blowing uh, southeast, which was kind of blowing towards this big, thick ridge. Um, and again, like I hadn't been hunting this property long. I didn't really know the deer movement and stuff. Uh, come to find out this was a really good spot and I actually, uh, took several bucks in this area over the years. But anyway, I didn't know all that yet. And so I'm in my tree stand, got my bow and, uh, it was about probably an hour till dark and I hear some footsteps, look over, here come two does. And I was like, Hey, you know, better than nothing. And, uh, so the does come out to the feeder and uh, I hadn't hunted this spot, this spot very much that year. And uh, so I was like, hey, that's cool. And uh, there's two does, like I said, trying to figure out if I'm going to shoot one or not. Uh, it's you know still kind of early, kind of want to hold out for a buck. And finally, I was like, you know what? This may be the only t- opportunity I, I get. I think I had to leave the next day. Uh, I, think I, I think I was going to be able to hunt the next morning, but then have to leave. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot one of these does. So get my bow off the hook, clip on my release. And I'm literally like, I'm, you know, have the bow out in front of me. I'm getting ready to draw. And I hear some more footsteps. Look over to my right and I just see rack. Like that's all I see. And I immediately look away. You know, at this time in my life, I hadn't killed that many, uh, you know, good bucks. I think I would probably only killed about three or four bucks in total. Uh, And so I'm just like, I'm not even looking at him. Like I already know I'm going to shoot him. And so I'm not even looking at him. And it happened so quick because, again, I already had my bow ready because I was just about to shoot one of these does. So the bow's in front of me, and uh, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see him walking in. I go ahead and draw before he even gets to the feeder. And basically, as soon as he steps out, boom, pop one off, and he goes running off. And uh, the whole thing, I mean, from the time I first saw this deer to the time I shot him was maybe like maybe 12 seconds. I mean, it happened that quick. And, um, anyway, it was a good shot. He didn't go, but about 80 yards or so. And, uh, he was real nice eight point. Uh, he's on the wall now. I think he scored, uh, he was like 138 inch eight point. So, I mean, a pretty good eight point. Um, but man, I was over the freaking moon because I just, again, I did not think you could kill a good buck that late. Um, I thought I was holding on to, hopes and dreams and wishes, which I kind of was, you know, that was really the only reason I was out there. Uh, you know, I was like, Hey, maybe one in a million chance that big 10 point will come out, ended up killing a nice, uh, nice eight point, which I was very, very happy with. Um, and again, like, so the next year came along and if I remember right, I actually did not kill a buck that year. And, uh, and that was a huge learning experience for me. Not because I learned that much because I didn't kill a deer, but it just motivated the crap out of me because I had killed deer the two previous years and I finally had this nice piece of private land that I was getting to hunt. And, uh, and I, man, I went all in the next year and the next year I ended up killing, I think my biggest buck ever, um, that next year. Um, but yeah, all that to say, 
That's been years ago. I've killed a lot of deer late season since then. I absolutely love it, and I hope you will too. So, again, I apologize. This week's episode is so short. I hope y'all got something from it. Um, again, I, I'm sorry. I'm just really, really busy getting ready for this elk hunt and to get out of town and trying to spend time with my wife and baby girl. So, I hope you guys understand, uh, but I still hope you learned something from this episode. So, so that's it. Um, I will not be recording for the next two weeks or so. I'm going to be elk hunting. I hope you guys are having some luck out there during this rifle season. And again, I can't say it enough. I know I just yammered about it for 30 minutes. Don't give up. It is not time. That's like the main thing I wanted to hammer home with this episode. It is not time to panic yet. You still have over a month of season left. And some, in my mind, some of the best hunting is still yet to come. So keep those cameras rolling, keep those feeders filled, keep those food plots green, whatever it might be. Get out there, scout for acorns, whatever you got to do, find the food, and you can still kill a really nice buck. It's not too late. So, all right, I think that's it for me this week. Again, I apologize for the shorter episode. Pray for me on my trip, uh, or I'll guess I'll be getting home about this time, uh, about the time this comes out. So. All right, I'm just, I'm just yammering on now and not making any sense. So I'll see you guys later. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. And until next week, I will see you right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.